Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of the Evolution Exchange. Uh, my name is Jake Bridge, I'm the Director of Evolution for APAC. Um, I'm delighted today to be joined by Halle Press, who's the CEO of one of our long-standing clients, uh, Doers Circle, um, a really exciting business that we've been partnering with for the last two years in helping um, grow the, the team, um, particularly within technology um, and commercial functions. So Halle, great to be with you today. Um, just um, to, to let everyone know, the Evolution Exchange is designed to um, share ideas with the market, um, share some thoughts of some of the more senior leaders within the startup ecosystem, um, and communicate with thought leaders around um, any specific topics which seem prevalent in the market right now. Um, so today we'll be discussing um, the specific topic around um, startups, um, and what the biggest challenges um, for early stage startups in the in the current market. Um, first off, um, Hele, if you'd be good enough to introduce yourself um, and tell us a bit more about about you and and um, and do a circle. Sure. Thanks a lot for having me. First of all, it's a pleasure being here with you. So I'm Hele. I'm Danish of uh, of nationality, but I've actually spent more than half of my life in Asia. So I've spent eight years in Beijing, eight years in Shanghai, seven years in Hong Kong, and for the past four years plus, I've been based in Singapore. So uh, some would claim that I'm probably more Asian than, than European. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I would agree or not, but uh, but at least I've, I've spent more than half of my life in this part of the world. Um, so I came to China in the first place um, to study mainland, uh, to study Chinese. Um, so I started studying at the University in Beijing. At the same time, I played badminton with the Chinese national team as the only non-Chinese ever who was vowed into to the Chinese national team. That gave me, of course, a different kind of insight to Chinese culture, Chinese mentality, competitiveness in that in that market, um, etc. So that was uh, that was quite interesting. Uh, after my studies, I pursued a corporate career. So I've been been working for three different corporations before I ventured on my own ten plus years ago. Um, but I tend to say that I've probably always been an entrepreneur by heart because even in my corporate roles before, I've always been building new business units, new market areas, uh, and building pretty much from the outset. Uh, I just tend to say that I've probably had a, a corporate parachute on my back for the first half of my career before I, I ventured on my own uh, again 10 plus years ago. So that's um, that's briefly about myself. Okay, fantastic. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I didn't actually know some of that. So I'm fascinating to hear more about the, the background. Um, I think I tried to learn Mandarin for two weeks when I first arrived in Singapore, and that's how long it took me to give up. Um, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't think I really had a chance at that point of time because when I arrived in mainland China, there was literally no one speaking English. Uh, I was, I was actually told by the university up front that that there would be lots of foreign students and everybody would be speaking English, and the teaching would be conducted in English. And I arrived, and I was the only non-Asian foreign student, meaning that all the other foreign students they didn't speak English, but they all speak Chinese before they arrived, uh, and wow. none of the teachers spoke English. So. Um, so I think like I didn't learn Mandarin in two weeks, but uh, but I don't think I had the opportunity to sort of give up um, and I learned it pretty quickly. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Um, so thanks a lot for the introduction. Um, and, uh, you know, that's um, that's really interesting. I guess what would be great is just to give a little bit of an idea um, on do a circle and, you know, what the, the kind of purpose and the concepts of the business um, is. And then we'll, we'll go into more um, on the specific discussion around the challenges facing 
uh, similar organisations sure. and, and then relate that back. Sure. So, so do the circulars, if I should start there, that's really a, a one-stop platform for self-employed people in all forms and shapes, entrepreneurs, freelancers, uh, startups, uh, independent doers, as we call them, uh, with our own terminology. Um, and we basically aim at securing all the different kind of solutions and benefits that you need to navigate and operate your personal life and your business as an entrepreneur or startup or freelancer, whatever you are, as long as you're independent. Um, and, and the reason for this is that we've figured out that this is a really underserved part of the market. So coming back to my own jump from the corporate world to become an entrepreneur 10 plus years ago, one of the first things I did at that point of time was to call my insurance company and kindly ask them to move all my policies to my own name. And I was told they couldn't. And I was like, maybe a little bit naive at that point of time, but um, I got right at least. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but what they told me was, we can't support you because you're on your own. And I was like, hey, that doesn't make sense at all because you guys have been insuring me for 10 years. So the fact was that the same insurance company had been insuring me for 10 years at that point of time. And I was so loyal that when I changed my setting, I still called them back and said, hey, listen, I would like to stay with you. Can you please help me out? And they just told me we can't. Um, and that was kind of an eye-opener to me. Uh, and I had a long discussion with them. So fast forward to, to the conclusion, uh, they ended up giving me an offer that was times five on the pricing compared to what we paid on the corporate umbrella for less favorable terms and conditions, meaning that two very essential parts of the insurance was completely removed and the rest of the coverage was lowered by 25 to 30%. And still I needed to pay uh, five times more for the insurance. So I was looking at this and I was just like, hey, something is completely wrong here. This doesn't make sense. So I spoke to them again and they were like, hey, this is really the best we can do. So I ended up saying thanks, but no thanks. And I thought, again, maybe in my naivety at that point of time that I could just go somewhere else and find something that would be better. So I started speaking to brokers, to insurance companies, to everybody I knew within the industry. Um, and I just figured out that I couldn't get anything anywhere else. So after a month of research, I ended up back with the same insurance company again and just had to, to swallow that one and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to take it anyway. Um, and uh, and that was sort of my first encounter with, with some of the difficulties um, that there are in the markets for individuals who venture on their own. I soon figured out that the same uh, took place within the entire financial sector. So first time I was supposed to get my credit cards renewed, I couldn't get a credit card, I could only get a debit card. And 10 years ago, it's not like today where we've already seen new new banks and the like popping up where they've sort of managed to package debit cards in a way that they kind of look like a credit card and at least you yeah. can use them more broadly. At that point of time, you couldn't really use a debit card anywhere. So I was offered a debit card and I was like, hey, no, I, I need a credit card because I need exactly the same flexibility as I had yesterday when I, when I was a corporate employee. But because I didn't have the corporate pay slip at that point of time, they wouldn't issue me the credit card. And it's actually still a known problem, especially in this part of the world where we're in here, that a lot of individuals, a lot of freelancers, they can't get credit cards. They can only get debit cards. Uh, again, you have debit cards today that you can use more broadly, but 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 it's still it's still the same kind of problem. So I just encountered a ton of these issues by being on my own. I encountered that there were lots of pro uh, lots of solutions and benefits that I couldn't even get a hold of because all of a sudden I was on my own. And I also encountered that the solutions that I then could get, they were significantly more expensive for me. And some of them were more tricky for me to get a hold of. Um, and that's something that has been annoying me uh, throughout the years as an entrepreneur myself. And it's something yeah. that has continuously 
come back to me, especially every single year when I've been renewing my insurance. So over the years, I've been involved in quite a number of different uh, early stage uh, companies, startups. I've been part, part of forming companies. I've also been exiting companies. I've been working with uh, early stage companies. I've been sitting on the board of directors of companies. Um, and, and it's just the same thing that I've seen throughout the years. So like four years ago, when my, my insurance was up for renewal again, I once again searched the entire market, couldn't find anything that made sense. And then I was like, hey, something is completely wrong here. How can it be that I cannot open a newspaper or a news site without reading about the gig economy that, that, that is exploding, the freelance economy that is exploding, people becoming more and more independent? And then we have structures in place that to a very great extent is still designed by corporates, for corporates, and based on traditional corporate employees' needs. And that sort of made me think, something is wrong and this cannot be true. So I started looking into the market. And at that point of time, the most conservative figure I could come across was that 30% of the global workforce was already self-employed. Last year, according to World Bank, that number was 48%. So close to 50% of the global workforce is already self-employed. And that was really an eye-opener to me. So with that in mind, I went back to the market again and I was like, hey, it cannot be true with this number. At that point of time, 30%, now close to 50%, but even 30% was a huge number to me. I thought it could be true that no one has done anything to this. So I started searching the market without finding what I was looking for. And I was like, hey, if nobody else has has, has fixed this yet, um, then I'm going to fix it. That was sort of the starting point of Jewish Circle. It was really my own challenges, uh, speaking to ton of uh, fellow entrepreneurs who uh, encountered the same kind of challenges without uh, having found solutions to them, uh, and then looking into market data that uh, that made me uh, create do a circle in the first place. Okay, okay, fantastic. Uh, I mean, all of that sounds um, fascinating, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, I think increasingly we're seeing the uh, prevalence of um, people investigating both the freelance market and the, um, you know, the entrepreneurial space um, without necessarily the desire to to build a huge business. But again, um, a lot of those products and services that that do a circle are providing um, sound like they they have always been relevant, but perhaps right now. Um, the the relevance has been accelerated, um, particularly with the supply and demand dynamics that exist within the market. Um, okay. So to, I, I guess, to focus on the specific topic um, of discussion today, so the biggest challenges facing early stage startups, um, and I think, you know, would be um, necessary to um, address um, the topic conversation, which I think has predicated every discussion I've had for the last two years, which would be COVID um, and the yeah. impact of um, the the pandemic over the last 24 months on um, on every business globally, but mm. you know particularly impactful on smaller businesses, um, SMEs, and I, um, I I would imagine particularly freelancers. Um, so. Mm. Um, would you, would you be able to kind of give your view on how, um, I guess, initially how um, you feel like, you know, the, the COVID situation impacted the business over the last two years um, and how perhaps um, you feel COVID has impacted similar types of organisation that affected the market as a whole? I, I think COVID obviously has impacted on, on lots of different uh, different areas and lots of different levels uh, within the market. Um, so there, there are a ton of stuff that we can we can talk about here. Um, one, one of the things that I think, and, and that is also, of course, very relevant to what we do at Do a Survey, is, is the entire impact on the market dynamics and the whole labor market dynamics. 
uh, because what we've seen is that a lot of, so if we talk about the freelancers, if we talk about all the uh, independent workers or independent people, uh, um, then we've seen that they've become much more of those over the past couple of years. Um, and we've seen two things. So we've both seen that a lot of people have gained a greater desire to become independent because they have seen some of the benefits or some of the upsides of more flexibility. So what the pandemic has done is that a lot of people have been working from home. A lot of people have sort of gotten rid of their commute, have gotten rid of the obligation to be sitting in the same chair, in the same office at a certain time every single day. All of them, they could sort of structure their own life, structure their own day, um, create it so that it fitted into their own uh, life and their own picture. And I think I think what we've seen is that that quite a number of people they have they have actually taken this and said, hey, listen, this is not too bad actually. If I could get just a fraction of this in my future work life, also that would be really awesome. So we have actually seen reports specifically for the U.S. This is a report we referring to the U.S. But a huge number of workers are willing to take a pay cut. In, uh, in exchange for flexibility, which is quite interesting. So a lot of people are actually answering right now that they would go down in their pay in order to get more flexibility. And I think this is, this is, this is a very interesting shift in the market. Um, another thing that we've, of course, seen and that is also driving uh, the numbers towards the individual workers, that is that a lot of corporates, they're going more hybrid. They're going more flexible right now. So they are sort of downsizing their permanent workforce or their, yeah, their permanent workforce in order to get, get more flexibility. And that's, of course, moving a lot of workers or a lot of employees um, in, in a new direction. So I think we have, we have a, a few dynamics that is sort of pushing in the direction of, um, of, of more independency, of, of more freelancers, more project-based workers, um, but that I do not necessarily think is negative. Um, I, think, I think some people in the first yeah. place might encounter it as something negative, but I think a lot of people deep inside actually has the desire to go in that direction. I don't say, say that this goes for everyone, but 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 the ones that we're talking to, I think I think a lot of these people actually see it as a nice small push in a direction that they maybe wish to go into, but they didn't dare to go into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and with with regards to the you know the dynamics that have changed over the last twenty four months, I think I've seen and and read a lot of. Um, information articles online about certain trends which were beginning to manifest pre-COVID um, being dramatically increased um, and you, you mentioned a few there um, but in terms of the specific trends that we're, we're seeing um, again not only in a freelance space but across the across the board I think you know flexibility um, and, and you know the ability that large and small corporations offer staff um, in terms of um, the employee experience um, the flexibility the you know the allowances to work from home the allowances to work remotely those trends have been accelerated there are any kind of specific um, trends which you you saw um, maybe beginning to manifest pre-covid that you've seen um, to be accelerated specifically um, post-COVID as we come out of the pandemic. That beyond what we've just talked about, I, I think it's I think it's really the the ability to work remotely and work more digitally. Um, I think that was already 
appearing or surfacing pre-COVID, um, but that has really been manifested. Um, and I think I think what a lot of corporates, especially the corporates that have maybe been a little bit skeptical, uh, they've they've probably gotten their eyes open towards like, hey, this is probably possible. Um, so I think I think this is this is probably the biggest thing that we have uh, that we have seen that that. That is it possible to work digitally? Yes, it is. Um, for for our own sake at Do a Circuit, we have actually onboarded two key positions without even meeting the candidates, which is quite interesting. And even wow. me as an entrepreneur, I I, I consider myself as, as having a, a fairly open mindset. But had you asked me two three years ago whether or not I would hire key team members uh, without even meeting them face to face, I would probably have said, no, um, that wouldn't happen because because I still, uh, even though I'm a big fan of remote work, I'm a big fan of flexibility, I do still value the face-to-face interactions. And I think it's important, no matter what kind of size of business you are, no matter what you do, I still think that this human interaction, this face-to-face interaction is important. So what I'm saying is that not that it's not important, but we can just work in different ways and it can play a different kind of role. So so for me, it has been been a huge eye-opener that I could actually onboard, successfully onboard key team members in key positions that are essential for the business without ever having met them. Um, so one of these uh, persons that we have onboarded, I still haven't met her. So she's, she's still based remotely. We haven't been able to meet each other uh, due to the pandemic and due to all the travel restrictions. And it works fine. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. I think just seeing the opinions and the um, the policies change of organizations that two years ago it would have been unimaginable that interviews would be happening purely digitally. Onboarding would be happening purely digitally. Um, people that you know, I've, I've, I've met and worked with in the past who were chained to their desk, to use the old adage, and now yeah. haven't been back to the office for two years. And I think the the mentality that that was um, something that wasn't going to be feasible or certainly wasn't going to be a, um, the most productive way of working two years ago, mm. a lot of people have disproved that um, assumption yeah. um, and made work from home and remote working a reality. And, you know, not always, but very frequently yeah. a, a reality which Im- improves um productivity um as opposed to hold it back um i guess we we've touched on how this has impacted the trends in the labor market and you know what candidates look for um and what is important um to to freelancers to entrepreneurs and to candidates moving from company to company um what kind of and trends... I think it's, uh, sorry to interrupt you but i think it's actually important here to state that it's not just valid for freelancers entrepreneurs startups like independent people it is yeah. actually i mean like in my opinion we cannot really differentiate going forward between the flexible part of the workforce and the more permanent part of the workforce because in order to create a an efficient labor market and efficient organizations in general, we need the best possible interaction between the flexible and the permanent part of the workforce. Uh, it's only when we secure that interaction and 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 the integration of the two parts that we will get the ultimate outcome. Yeah, fascinating. And I think um, what we're seeing and, you know, how my experience of speaking to candidates now compared to two years ago is there's there's more of an appetite to to work for organisations who prioritise that and prioritise mm-hmm. the ability to, to work remotely and um, integration of what were historically two 
fairly segregated types of workers, um, you know, flexible workers and, and permanent workers. Um, and those organisations who are maybe more mature in their evaluation of how to move forward from here are becoming more and more attractive. Um, that brings me on to the um, the topic which I talk to candidates about every day is the appetite to work for a startup and you know mm -hmm. most most of our startup customers are in a position and um, whether they choose to to take remote working and um, flexibility um, to as far as they as far as they potentially could um, most of our startup customers are in a position to make decisions on this type of topic more quickly um, than perhaps big corporates that have policies which are maybe internationally driven or driven from HQ. Um, yeah. From from your um, experience and from your perspective, what what would the main drivers be for for people to work at a startup? Because even though we're coming out of COVID now, there's huge demand for candidates in the market, um, particularly mm -hmm. within within tech and um, you know that spaces associated to tech. Um, there's still that memory of two years ago, that memory of 2020, um, mm. where there was a scepticism of working for a startup. Security and, you know, and the mm. longevity of your role was a priority, perhaps over and above flexibility. Um, but now in a very mm. short space of time, huge demand for candidates. Candidates can be very selective about who they choose to work for. Um, and, you know, the, the power, if you like, has shifted um, in mm. that sense. So from your perspective, you know, working working for a startup versus working for a corporate or what what would what's your experience of speaking to candidates their appetite to work for a startup given the current um situation in the market and from your perspective what would what would be the reason to work for a startup versus a more traditional corporate i, I mean like obviously me myself being an entrepreneur have chosen to be an entrepreneur i think that ton of uh, of upsides of by working for a startup or an early stage company. Um, I mean, like, there, there are many things. One of them is that the sense of urgency is usually significantly higher at an early stage company, meaning that decisions are usually made more swiftly. Um, the uh, communication lines are usually shorter, uh, meaning that, that decisions can be made faster. Uh, also meaning that someone working for an early stage company or startup company usually is more involved in decision making um, and, and, and usually involved in more broad decision making also, uh, much more than in a more established uh, or bigger corporate. Um, so, so the sense of urgency, the the speed that things are moving with, um, I think, I think that that's something that at least fascinates me and and that is attractive to me. I mean, like I get a little bit impatient uh, when when things are not moving or when things are moving too slow. So, um, so I'm probably not the the born uh, uh, corporate uh, employee, at least not very traditional corporate employee. Um, <laughs> So, so, so if you have that kind of high drive, if you like to see things moving faster, um, I think that's one clear reason for moving for for working for a startup or an early stage company. Another thing is, of course, when you when you work for big corporations, you tend to much more work within your very specific area. So you tend yeah. very often to be boxed. Uh, much earlier in your career um, so if you come out with a finance degree you tend to be boxed into to a finance box and and that's where you play if you if you come out with a with a, a law uh, or legal degree uh, you tend to 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 end up in in that kind of box and work purely within that box 
while as in a in an early stage company you tend to have your foot or and and your hand in into so much so many more things um, and i think that is very rewarding and i think that is actually rewarding no matter where you are in your career but of course especially for young graduates early graduates i would say this is i think this is a huge opportunity um to go out get your hands and your feet dirty um get much more responsibility that you could probably get uh, within any established corporate um be allowed also to fail probably a bit more uh, i mean like failure yeah. is not something that we talk a lot about especially in this part of the world but for me failure is part of any kind of success i mean like i've uh, Absolutely. probably never heard about anyone uh, creating a success without having had failures along the road and i think this is just so important to dare to talk about and to embrace and i think it's so important to allow people to fail uh, to fail and the earlier they fail the the faster they grow basically um and i think this is probably more allowed in an early stage business um, and a startup business and 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 trial and error is probably also more concept that we work with in the in startup businesses compared to corporate so i would say speed uh, variety of work um, getting into different areas um, they they are the main reasons why you should work for for a startup or early stage business yeah absolutely um it's really interesting to see what's happening um in the market now compared to two years ago and we're seeing big corporates now specifically identify the startup ecosystem as a target ecosystem for hiring um yeah. whereas two years ago and prior to that it was very much corporate to corporate um it was yeah. you know major corporate within a particular space hiring from another major corporate in that particular space mm-hmm. and more more often than ever before um i've noticed that big corporates targeting people from that startup ecosystem interestingly startups don't seem to be targeting people from big corporates uh, quite quite as much. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. no, and I think I, I, honestly, I think I think the reason for this is that that when you work for startup, also another thing is that you really need to be able to move things. You need to to really be able to and have an interest in getting your hands dirty and and do stuff yourself. Uh, because in a corporate role, uh, depending on where you are, of course, in a corporate system, you often have people around you to support. And in an early stage business, you most likely do not have many people around you to support. You have the entire team, and it, it works as a team in most startups and early stage businesses. But but there are just ton of stuff that you need to do yourself, and you need yeah. to be able to be very operational, very hands on yourself. You need to sort of put the paper into the printer, make the coffee, just make it uh, very very simple. I mean, like there, there's so many things that you that you need to do also um, to make make the wheels uh, spin in a, in a in an early stage business. And I think that is not necessarily um, the the biggest strength of traditional corporate employees. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think a lot of people in big corporates, particularly big corporates that haven't shifted their um, paradigm um, to to a more progressive way of thinking, employees within those organisations are reaching out to us increasingly, and you know, seeing um, which type of organisations would be interested in speaking to them, and you know, asserting their commitment to um, move to a more agile environment at the risk of becoming um, potentially obsolete if they remain in more of a siloed role in an organisation that isn't embracing certain um, paradigm changes in the market as things stand. Um, and you know that that's interesting, and again, that's a um, a theme that that we're seeing um, in the market now. Um, how does that manifest at Doer Circle? Then, when you when you're looking at talent, and when you're looking at 
um, you know, how to attract um, people to work for the organisation. Um, what 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 are the things that you have in place, or the um, the kind of attributes that you look at when you're looking to hire? Uh, what we're looking at is very much uh, personal attitude, uh, and a lot of people would probably say this, but but that is just so essential for us here, and it's very essential to me as as a founder and as a leader in general. That that I I always say that I hire people, I don't hire qualifications, and that may that may sound a little bit stupid or a little bit weird, but 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 I really mean it that that I'm a firm believer in that if you have a person with the right mentality, the right attitude, the right approach to things, then you can teach that person almost anything that the person needs to 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 be taught if the person comes with a certain skill set, of course. I mean, like we need to have the baseline, right? But if the baseline is right, it's easier to add on to hardcore skills than to change the personality. Um, so on the other hand, if you have someone coming in with an amazing uh, skill set uh, in place, but a wrong attitude, a wrong mindset, wrong personality, or, or a personality that doesn't fit the organization at least, then it's very hard to change this. Um, yeah. So first of all, what we're looking for, very much personality, very much attitude, very much uh, the can-do kind of mindset. Um, so people who are looking for solutions rather than problems, uh, people who never give up when things get tough, uh, because yeah. things are getting tough in any kind of startup, early stage business, probably also in corporate, things do get tough at time. And I think we've seen this during the past couple of years with COVID at least. Um, so I think it would have been pretty easy for a ton of people to give up within the past two years. Um, and that would have been the easy way of doing things. Um, but I would much rather have people around me who are like, hey, we're not going to give up. We're going to find a solution. Yeah, we might have run into a dead end here, but then we're going to turn in a different direction and make it work out some, 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 in some other way. Um, so this is this is very much what we're looking for. What we are offering is is definitely a ton of flexibility, probably also more flexibility than than I would assume uh, quite a lot of other companies do. Um, not just in terms of where you can work from, uh, working hours, how you work. I mean, like we have people who prefer to come into the office when they're in the office uh, before 8 a.m. in the morning because that fits their schedule. Uh, we have people who uh, who would uh, almost die if they're supposed to be in the office before 10 a.m. That's also completely fine. I mean, like I com I'm completely fine with people having different rhythms as long as they deliver. Um, this is one thing. It's also very common in our team to see people going for yoga or go for a run, go for a gym class, whatever, in the middle of the day. Um, and that's completely fine too because I, I'm I'm actually a believer in clearing your mind uh, and people do this in different kind of, uh, of ways. There are also people who would go and meditate, people who would go for a walk and listen to a podcast, whatever. Whatever it takes to, to give you new energy so that you can perform at your best uh, the whole time, I'm fine with that. So, so we basically, we, we have, in some way, we have a very diverse team, but we also have a team that very much respects each other and then are looking for the same things in terms of workout, living a healthy life, uh, but having high ambitions, uh, finding joy in, in delivering results, um, finding solutions to things, uh, creating an impact, uh, adding real value to the business. And that's what it's all about for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, no, I mean that's that's fascinating, and I think you know having having worked together for two years, and I think when we first started working together, it was in the in the midst of the the first year of the the pandemic, and um, we worked together on a kind of technical leader role, 
um, for for the business. And I think, you know, the person that we introduced um, really bought into those concepts um, and those those realities. He's, you know, happily two years later still with the business and all the feedback that we've had from both sides has been really positive, which is which is great to hear. And it's, you know, it's, that's why why we as a recruit company, <clears throat> we really it's really critical for us to be working um, for a business that we feel is attractive to sell to candidates and we feel what's said to candidates manifests in a reality. <clears throat> mm. um, so, you know, it's fantastic that those um, those things that a lot of people say um, as um, a reality in their businesses, but perhaps isn't the real case, um, is the case with you guys. And, yeah. um, you know, it's it's good to be to be working together again. Um, is there anything else that you'd want to add? Anything that you'd want to kind of highlight about about Do Circle, about the market that you think people would be interested in? Yeah, I think we've gotten pretty. I mean, like there's a ton of stuff that we can always discuss, but I think we've yeah. gotten gotten pretty, pretty, pretty broad already. Um, so I mean, like the only thing for me is that uh, whatever you do, um, no matter where you are in your career, I think it's important to 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 find joy and value in what you're doing. Um, I think I think that is important to consider for any kind of candidate, no matter if you're looking to work for a startup or an early stage business or, or corporate, make sure that you find something that you really enjoy doing because then you perform so much better. Um, and that's at least uh, the mentality we have at Do a Circle. We need to have fun at the same time as we create and deliver results. So, um, so we actually take pride in, in, in laughing quite a lot, having a lot of fun uh, at the same time as we're ambitious and uh, and um, and 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 run for for very ambitious goals. Awesome. Great stuff. No, really appreciate all the um, the insights that you've given today and all the um, ideas that you shared and the, the realities of working at, at Startup and specifically at Do a Circle. Um, I really enjoyed the discussion today and um, I hope people listening will find um, the insights beneficial. Um, and certainly a lot of the ideas that we've discussed have resonated with, with me. Um, so, no, really appreciate your time, Hale, and um, great to catch up. Look forward to speaking again soon. Likewise. Thanks a lot. Pleasure being here.